This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. SMU was always the snobby. Rich kid school. Row-ridden frat. Yeah, rich kid school, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I really don't care about SMU's fate too much. They'll be fine. You know, (laughs) they'll be fine with daddy's money. It's so great that they are not taking money for seven years and their boosters will make up the shortfall, which is going to be like $30 million. So you want to say, you think your boosters are good? SMU's boosters are good. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. I think we got an email from Mike Gugat that he went to SMU and may mm. have walked on to the lacrosse team or the soccer team. I'm not intimately familiar with the email, but he was taken aback by Sally just ripping SMU. <laughs> interesting. All right, uh, some news. We're not going to do a show on Labor Day, and the reason we're not doing a show on Labor Day is because I'm playing in a golf tournament. On Monday morning. And you got your preferred tea time. I did 9.20, I think we're going out. Something like that. So we are, uh, we'll do three shows next week. We're just not going to do them on Labor Day. Also, uh, at some point next week, Pablo will be on. Pablo is starting his, finally starting his new podcast under the Levitard umbrella. What is it called? Pablo Torre just learned or Pablo Torre found out or do you know the name of it, Nigel? Uh, I don't. Hold on. Did he mention it in the text that he sent to it's two of us? It's four words. It, it starts with Pablo Torre, and it just learned or found out. Or Pablo Torre finds out? Pablo Torre finds out. So we will ask him how he came up with this name, and we'll ask him how often it's on, and we'll do all of those things. Pablo's so cute. I like Pablo so much. I do. Let me talk about the moon. The super moon, not last night, not Thursday night, but Wednesday night. This is the next time the supermoon is going to happen, and it is the second full moon of a month, and it's sort of special, and it's either gold or it's blue or it's something. It's not necessarily pale, bone white. And the next time it's going to happen is in 15 years, so I'm not going to be around. I'm not making that one. This was my last chance, and sadly for me, the moon was obscured by clouds in Washington, D.C., so I did not see it, but Michael... Somehow you saw it. 
Uh, yes, I go to bed a little bit later than you, so I stayed up. I tried to catch the moon when I was taking out the trash. So I could see the the moon in its entirety, but I did not have that color, uh, the, the color clarity that I was expecting to see. Let's go to the text messages, if you will. Uh, from Dad at 809, <laughs> total full moon, exclamation point, but it's cloudy, so we can't see it. Next one is it's 15 years. I'm unlikely to be here. Right. Michael, that's what I feared about it being cloudy, not your age. Pictures on the internet from Tony, but they could be faked. Again, you go immediately go to thinking you're getting deep fakes <laughs> about mood pictures. I think everything is fake on the internet. <clears throat> I do. Um, so this morning, first of all, last night, at, I went out a variety of times to try to find the moon because last night was clear. Did you check the sky? I looked into the sky, but the moon was not high enough in the sky for me to see it on my first two forays outside. Then at about 20 after 9, I think the gnats had lost by then, I went out one more time and I could see the moon. I could strategically walk up the street, get to a spot where I could see the moon. And the moon was clear and bright and white. Very, very, very big. And this morning at 6.30, I could see the moon setting in the western sky. Also big and bright and white at that time. Did you see it? Uh, yes, the moon sort of is a, a regular friend of ours, and it's just over our shoulder. Uh, did not give it the same attention I did for the supermoon just because of that rare occurrence, but I'm glad you were able to finally find it a day late. Felt good about that. Not, did not, do not feel good about the gnats. Um, the gnats are, have now reverted to where they were in May. They're a very bad team. The Nats lost the other night in Toronto, 7 nothing. fell behind last night, 5 nothing. They're not. They were not competitive. With Patrick Corbin, they were not competitive with Adon, who I don't like. They have a six-man rotation. I don't really see the need for that because I don't think all of these pitchers are are very good. I don't. Some are. I don't think all are. I don't really understand the fascination with this guy, Michael Chavis. I don't under, he keeps grounding into double plays whenever I pay I mean, attention. The issue is they had three hits, right? Hmm? They had three hits? They got nothing. You know, Dominic Smith made an error. Early. Yeah, again, just, this comes back to schedule. They uh, they had a yeah. couple of series where they were winning, and then you got the Mar- uh, the Marlins who had lost what eight out of ten. I but think, they had beaten it. the Marlins, and they were not competitive against the Marlins last night at home. So you know, I got off that at some point. I promise. I think I said this before. Nothing's, nothing's no better than you doing results. a deep dive on the Marlins Nats when you have uh, Mookie Betts and Acuna Jr. going after each other. For yeah, I just series. saw that. Well, that's obviously a West Coast game, so I didn't know about it yesterday, but I saw it on the early Sports Center. That it ended up, I think the Braves were up 7-1 at one point, and it ended up 8-7 by the Braves. The Braves have a terrible record in Dodger Stadium. Since 2018, prior to last night's game, and I know this because we talked about it on PTI yesterday. Since 2018, when they began winning divisions all the time, the Braves. The Braves were 2-10 in regular season games in Dodger Stadium and 1-3 in postseason games in Dodger Stadium, 3-13. So they were gettable. You know, the Dodgers started out yesterday four games back. It's a four-game series. If they swept the series, they'd be tied in the first week of September as they go into getting ready for the playoffs, and and home field would have been available to the Dodgers. Now they're five back, and now they really have to take three out of four, or or they squandered it. And again, you're you're zooming out for a month ahead from now where you're just trying to avoid the Phillies as, as much as possible. Can I talk about my MRI? Sure. Then can I talk about who I had a phone call with yesterday? Go ahead. You do first. I 
talk to Kevin Sheehan. Really? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was going to get it. I thought I was gonna, he called me, left a voicemail. I, I checked in with him after he did pick up for uh, the big boys from pre-K and first grade. Oh, our, yeah. They're both, they're both in was not together. a runner. He made it through the entire day. A little worried when I saw him walking down the steps with his uh, with his rest blankie, but there was just some confusion. There was about some thought. What was, what was to be left in the classroom and what went home. You were afraid he'd leave the school. I was afraid I was going to listen to T.O.P. and hear a, yeah. a, all... All, all hands on deck report coming out of our neighborhood. Uh, yeah. No, so I talked to him. I thought I was going to get the preseason um, sort of uh, recap and all that. Six things wrong with the commander. Six things. Instead, we talked for 20 <laughs> minutes about the relative qualities of, of area grocery stores because there's one safe way you complain about. And he has revealed to me the hidden gem that is Balducci's of McLean. I've never been to that one. I, I've frequented the one up in Bethesda over by Wilbon's house. But he says the deli meat at the Balducci's is the best. That's great mm. to know. That's a nice phone call. Yeah. That's good. That's good. He says hi. All right. That's good. Um, I saw him last week. I saw him at... And he'll be playing at Columbia on a Sunday morning. So I will see him. Um, Can I talk about my MRI? Yes. I got this MRI. I mean, been waiting to get this for a while. I have no idea if Cigna's going to cover it. I have no idea. I mean, I've got doctors saying you need to have it. I and think so, we know. I think we know what Cigna will do. start, no, but then (laughs) there is something called a peer-to-peer conversation. And then after your doctor talks to one of their doctors, their alleged doctors, uh, <laughs> it usually works out that they do it, especially at my age. This is such a waste of resources on all, on all parties. Just do it. Yes. Just pay for it because you know <laughs> right. you're going to have to pay for it eventually. Yes. And I'm going to have to pay some of it. So please stop with this. So I go to the MRI and I'm, I'm worried. The, the only thing I ever, I've had MRIs, the only thing, and I'm not claustrophobic. Uh, the only thing I ever worry about with an MRI is they schedule you for time A, and you don't get in for two hours. Uh-huh. I don't want that. So I went to the MRI place, and I just said, are we on time? And the woman said to me, yes, we are. It's a great start. You're going to be fine. I said, okay, that's great. <laughs> so now I have to, when you get an MRI, at least in this particular place, in my case, it's an MRI on my ankle. I don't have to take off all my clothes. You don't have to do that. You don't have to be in a hospital gown because two-thirds of your body is outside of the tube. So they say it's okay, but you got to take off all your jewelry. you gotta take all, You got to take all your stuff out of your pockets. Okay, I'm okay with that. And they give you a locker. They give you a locker to put stuff in. And I really couldn't negotiate the locker. I didn't really understand it. And I had to get some help, and especially when I was leaving, they had to unlock it because I, I had done something completely wrong. And that's not the story. Uh, the story is that MRIs, if you've never had them, they are particularly loud. They are magnetic res- resonance imaging, and there is great noise as this happens. Right, Michael? Yes. Do I describe that correctly? There is great noise, sustained noise. Lasting 10, 15, 20 minutes. It's a little noise. Very noisy. So they give me, as they do for everybody, and my head is out of the tube. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not in the tube to the degree that the noise is reverberating in a horrifying way. It's not. Not for me anyway. And I'm old and I can't hear anything. So the noise doesn't even sound like noise to me. So they give me a uh, set of headphones and they automatically tune it to classical music. Did they give you earbuds? No. Because you don't wear over the over no. the ear headphones. No. They gave me just regular headphones, and I put the headphones on. So we start the MRI, and after about five or six minutes, I tire of the classical music. I don't want it anymore. I don't want to hear it. 
So I take the headphones off. I take them off. Now I'm just lying there doing the MRI without headphones, which I thought was an option. It's not. (laughs) It's not. The technician comes running in and she says, you have to have headphones on. You either have to have headphones on or earplugs. And I say, why? And she says, that's our policy. You have to do it. So I put the earphones on again, even though now there was no music. There was just earphones. You lost the right to music by taking them off. Yeah. (laughs) It's been revoked. So I didn't, I mean, I didn't understand that. I talked to a couple of people about this. No music for you. And they said, right, no music for you. You're bad. You're a bad boy. Lay in the tube without music. And, And somebody was trying to make the case it's done for insurance purposes. And I guess if, if the noise is so loud that it, what, it breaks your ears? I don't know what's going to happen. You already have tinnitus. You know, I was, to me, I, anyway, well, you know, I, wasn't, I wasn't within my rights. Isn't that odd? Yeah, they just want to be able to go through your stuff in that I, locker. Yeah, I wasn't within my rights. All my stuff was there in the locker. I, you know, well, I after, just couldn't they, open the locker. I well, set you know, the combination and it didn't open because I hadn't turned the dial. The I, only thing that makes this more like an episode of Curbs, if you took the headphones off and just opened up a bag of pistachios. <laughs> just, <laughs> I mean, right. I was, uh, the point is I was fine with the noise. Right. So you, you want to say, the noise. so what's your problem? I prefer the noise. Yeah. What, yeah. What's the, what's the problem? So, yes. but they, it was against we, policy. Well, you know what music they should play while you, mm. while you're in there is the Jeremy Vent mailbag theme. The one where you're swimming oh, underwater. It's all water. Oh, yeah. yeah. Water. Well, that could be perfect. still. You need that. Yes. I was just, you know, I was just, I had two bad experiences. I couldn't, you know, I had to keep the headphones on and I couldn't figure out the lock to all my values. But you're forgetting the, the bigger picture here. Hmm. They were on time. Yeah, they were on time. So I was happy. I, was, I mean, overall, I was very happy. I just found it sort of odd that I did not have the right to choose my own noise. Headphones level. are not. Yeah. yeah, that was on. All right, we'll get out of here. Dave Sims, when we return, yes, Dave Sims? Yes. On the East Coast? Yes. Back in New York while uh, Seattle Mariners play the Mets? Dave Sims, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a band called the Cherry Park Band. This is a song called In Your Light. Jared writes us, I'm a member of the band Cherry Park. We recently released our first EP, and a friend, Kevin Coggins, pointed us to your show as a place that plays independent artists and suggested we reach out. I've attached our first single called In Your Light of our debut EP, Secret Garden. The song and all of our songs can be streamed on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, and any other major streaming platforms. And that's from Jared. Again, Cherry Park. This is called In Your Light. It 
plays in Dave Sims, who is in the East Coast on East Coast time, the home coast of his life, even though his work is on the West Coast. Seattle Mariners, hottest team in baseball at the moment, are in town to play the Mets, not the hottest team in baseball. And it looks like you are headed back to the playoffs. Can you describe the last, I don't know, 30 games? Well, what happened, Tone, was uh, in the month of August, Fellas won 21 games. That's a franchise best. Most wins ever in a month in a, in a baseball season. And so many good things have happened. Uh, the pitching's been solid uh, pretty much the entire season. But what happened was in starting in July, the hitters who had a history of being good hitters, everything got hot. And Julio Rodriguez got epically hot. Yeah, and, yeah. and hence, hence, uh, you know, being in first place and now in a three-way run with uh, Houston and Texas, it has been an absolute blast. Julio Rodriguez has one point at one point last week, and I remember this because we did it on the show. Was thirty-two for sixty-two, batting five nineteen in thirteen games. Five nineteen. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're watching this every night. What are you thinking? Um. Enjoying the heck out of it. And it was one of those things where he said, I knew this kid was going to be good, but I didn't expect a stretch like this. I mean, he had, at one point, he had 17 hits and it was a four or five game span, which is, uh, you know, so, an outrageous record that hadn't been touched since something like, 19, you know, going back to the early 1900s. I mean, it was, it's just incredible. He had been getting, he had been over swinging, you know, and I told him, I said it on the air, I said, you know, you don't have to hit it to Jupiter, just hit it to Mars. Yeah. And, and man, every his swing decisions got better. He started making better contact balls that he, the balls that, it, that he was hitting hard, that was going through the left side or even the right side were on the ground. Then they started getting in the air and man, what a difference that made. And it just seemed like everybody, it, it just became like a, I don't know. It was like a, it was like an epidemic. I mean, Teoscar Hernandez has had a marvelous month. Uh, he's our right fielder slash DH. Uh, Eugenio Suarez, the third baseman, playing a great third. He's starting to hit the ball out of the yard. It's just been all, all up and down the lineup. It brings up a philosophical question that we should talk about. Wilbon and I talked. No, it was Pablo and I. Not Wilbon and I. It was Pablo and I. It, it, it goes to the definition of what a most valuable player is. There's nobody in their right mind who would not look at Shohei Otani and what he has accomplished and say that he could be if he's healthy, the greatest player in the history of baseball because he pitches yep. and he hits. Yep. But Julio Rodriguez has gotten hot at the right time for a team that was out of the playoffs and now is in the playoffs. They are 12 and a half to 13 games ahead of the Angels with Otani. When you vote for most valuable player, do you, Dave Sims, consider Julio Rodriguez over Shohei Otani? Do you say, just hold on a second. It's a nice run he's on, but Otani is, is all time. I thought Ota- I think Otani's all time, but you you can you cannot lose even if you do if you vote for Julio. Especially now, I don't expect him to, to pick up in September. You know the heat that he has been producing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, during the, you know during during August. But in terms of being valued, um, I think that's the, what he has done is the definition of of the award. Whereas Otani is. Far and away, most outstanding. I mean, their team's going nowhere, nowhere fast, and and I've always had a, a problem with this 
going back to my sports writer days, um, I, I think there should be two. Awards. I mean, you can make a case every year at every sport, the four majors, you got an MVP and you got a most outstanding player. Yeah. Right now, and right now, Julio, for my money, would be MVP and Otani by far most outstanding. I think you have to consider the effect on a team. Now, it's not just one Correct. guy. Yeah. Baseball's not Correct. a one-man game. Right. But I think when you see the rise in Seattle and the fall in the Angels, I mean, I think I wouldn't do it personally because I wouldn't want to see Otani lose an MVP to Judge when he had 62 and to Rodriguez when he had, like, the most fabulous August and September ever, if that happens. But I think you can make a case for it. How many years in your broadcasting career with Seattle did they miss the playoffs? Oh, please. Last year, last year was the first year I, I, I tasted and smelled and watched the Mariners in the playoffs. I got there in right. 07, and they hadn't been in the playoffs since 01. Okay, so you had 14 years of no playoffs, oh, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so this is my question. What is the difference in broadcasting? What is the difference for you personally going to the ballpark when you're yeah. in the playoffs, when, you, you know, when yeah. there's a real race? Because you don't want to think there's a difference. You want to think you're as good you know, every single yep. day, but I think there's probably got to be a difference. Uh, there absolutely is a difference. I mean, you know, during the losing year, and then we had a couple of years where we, we snipped it and we got close and you know, we got eliminated one year, 162, another one, 161, another one we won into Labor Day. We we're right in it and had a nine game losing trick. I think it was my first year, 07. But the, every, the coffee t- is hotter, gives you more kick. You sleep better. You're more excited when you wake up. You go to the ballpark and you're driving down First Avenue in Seattle and you see T-Mobile Park. You're like, yeah, baby, here we go. It's time to work. That's what's exciting. The crowds are bigger. I feed off the energy of the home crowd. Uh, and how can you not when everybody, you know, but this past weekend, this past six-game homestand, I mean, we are doing, I think the lowest crowd might have been 30 the other day. I mean, they had the biggest Tuesday crowd in the history of the organization. Um, you know, at 44,000. I mean, it's just tremendous. The difference for me, more exciting. I think that I, I love what I do. That's why I got into it. And and I used to fire myself up. I remember my father said, "Just because they suck doesn't mean you have to suck. So right. you have to you have to keep grinding." And you know, there's stories in the other. And as I would have learned from my you know, newspaper days, there's stories in the other clubhouse and dugout. Guys have got the meat and, and stories you can tell. But when it's your guys, it's the best. It's not close. It's the best. Every you walk in the clubhouse, nobody's mean mouthing you, mean mugging you. Everybody, you know, and, and not that they're throwing a prayer, but yo, what up? Hey, how you doing? Hey, man, this is fun. Oh man, this is great. I'm feeling, you know, they, you hear all these these little anic, personal anecdotes and how things are going well. It's the best. I would imagine, Dave, that when Seattle stunk earlier in the year, when they were behind Houston and the Angels, and Texas, and coming out of a playoff year, I would imagine that there's a certain crestfallen quality to, to going to the ballpark. Well, not, not so much. Yeah, not, not major, but I'll tell you this. The disappointment was real coming off the mega excitement that happened last year. I mean, I tell Dusty, all, to Dusty Baker all the time, the, the Houston manager, and she's a, I like to consider, one of his, consider myself one of his friends, we had him on my Coach K show. I said, hey, man, we had you in the playoffs. He said, yeah, you let us go. I mean, yeah. 
eight seven, I think, in the first game. Uh, Alvarez hits a home run. They lost three two. The second game was one nothing in eighteen. Three of the most thrilling games I've ever been a part of. One of the, you know best atmospheres I've ever been in at their place, and but especially at our place for game three. So they everything was built on that excitement coming into this season, and then to not have it delivered, you know, at, at the get go was disappointing which makes this turnaround in July, August, you know, back to that excitement level that we had last October, which is, you know, it's one of the most exciting periods I've ever been through in my sports life. And I've been going to games since I was four years old. Is there any one, I mean, if you were a writer and you reviewed the season to this point, would there be any one thing you think that changed and that led to this rush of yeah. great wins. Yeah, that's a great, uh, like a moment. You know, I, I I'm still enjoying it, and I, that's a legit question. And I probably have circled a couple things back in my scorecard and uh, in my scorebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, uh, I, I'm not ready to. I want to. I want to want the season. Uh, talk to me about that maybe a month from now. That's fine. Because right right now, the enjoyment and the process is working so well that. I, I don't. I don't think I need a microscope right now. Let's. Yeah, the wave is is still still cresting. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I think that I think that's where we are right now. That it's time for that kind of evaluation is legitimate. But it's the old thing. Hey, get in, and then we can talk about that. You know? Yeah, that seems fine. So you have the the Mets. You have three games with the Mets. Yeah. So the Mets. You know, they're they're playing for their sake. Hopefully, they're playing for pride but they're having a brutal years, you know. Yeah, then we go to yeah. Cincinnati, which is a young athletic team. that's unbelievably exciting. And then we go to Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay is a few games ahead of us. I mean, I think we have the fifth best record, and they're a step or two above us. But uh, that, that's a big series. And then we come home three with the Angels. Then the Dodgers come into our place. And then uh, and we finish at Oakland and at Texas, three with Texas, and then come home with three with Houston and four with Texas. So when you know if this is uh, they can continue to build up momentum here on this roadie, and then be in position to uh, you know play head to head, eye to eye with Houston and Texas, and come out a winner, man, uh, it, this will be well earned and and well celebrated, no question about it. Enjoy all of it, and thanks for being on. We'll talk hey, soon. Thanks for, thanks for having me, and uh, I, I run into folks all over the country. That's fantastic. Crazy, but fantastic. Dave Sims, boys and girls. We will take a break. We will come back. James Carville will join us. Jeff Ma will join us as we start once again to get into the meat of what this show is about. Betting, winning, and losing. (laughs) I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song called Fireflies in a Mason Jar. It is sent to us by Matt Heggie, and it is done by 
17-year-old Nashville area, soon-to-be phenom Brady Heggie, who I'm going to assume is his son. Brady writes all the lyrics and the music, sings all the vocals, plays all the instruments, produces all the tracks. Wow. I mean, that's pretty good. He's 17 years old. That's pretty good. Once again, this is called um, Fireflies in a Mason Jar. Michael, if people like Brady Heggie want to send in their original music and get showcased here, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornezerShow.com. And I'm not sure if you noticed it. There was a chill in the air this morning. Uh, TK Coffee One, promo code that we have active for the month of September over at Johnnyo.com. Check out uh, some new uh, Q-Zips and some uh, lightweight uh, hoodies. Love Johnnyo. We're going to check to see uh, your coffee rankings for ice cream at the uh, uh, at Yeah, the by end. the end of the month. All right, James Carville, we're, we're back to football. College, not pro just yet, but college right now. James joins us. You're in Dublin. What are you doing in Dublin? Uh, Mary and I are speaking at the JFK School in County Wexford, and we're being interviewed by my cousin, Audrey Carville, who's one of the most well-known personalities in Ireland. who runs a kind of talk, uh, morning radio, which is oh. highly popular here in the garden. Okay. And, and where are you physically right now? Physically, I'm in the basement of a... Carrillo's, which is an Italian restaurant in central Dublin, that's actually quite good. Mary and I and our kind of adopted nephew, Jamie, who's Irish, and we're sitting here chewing the fat, talking about all things Irish and worldwide, which you might imagine. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And, of course, give my best to Mary. Let me start with, with oh, really? you are the proud son of LSU. LSU is in the best Football conference in the country, the Southeastern Conference. Right. What do you think of the new realignment all over the place in college football? You know, I guess what I think is—it's a thing. It's not going to stop. I suspect, as most people do, we're going to end up with a—you know—two twenty-team conferences. It'll be one part of college football, and everything else will be everything else. And I guess the, the question is, you, you know, does, does Purdue or Vanderbilt or, or Mississippi State or Northwestern, you know, where do they fit into this future? And the answer is unknown. It, it's, it's, there's, it, when we were young, everything was based on geography. The teams you liked, the teams you hated were close by. There's no geography anymore. There's no, there's no sense to it. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's so different from what I'm, I remember. Well, the SEC is totally contiguous. Right. Uh, I mean, that, yeah, I mean that's not, not – they have resisted. You know, I mean, of course, they took Texas in Oklahoma. Who wouldn't? And yeah. Texas in Oklahoma came asking. Uh, it, I, I know the commissioner you know, fairly well, and – you know, I'm pretty familiar with the internal politics there. And uh, I think they would be cautious. I'm not saying they're not teams, some ACC teams that they might that might get in the SEC at some point. But I don't really think they're looking for, you know, Stanford or Cal Berkeley or anything like that very much. I understand that. If I'm the ACC and I can get Clemson and Florida State, I'm going to take them and I'm going to still retain a certain amount of geographic integrity. But what the Big Ten is doing is is wild. It's just wild to me. The, the, the school that they really, everybody wants is North, University of North Carolina. 
It's oh, got a, right? it's a okay. huge market, a deep alumni. Yeah, they would, I think North Carolina is much more lucrative than Clemson or Florida State. Now, really? Okay. Pretty, oh, yes. I, and, and Virginia, those two are pretty, because they're looking for, you know, the Big Ten really screwed up with Merrill and Rutgers. So they thought they were getting a lot of eyeballs. Right. And they, not, they got not very much. You know, no, uh, that was no. not, uh, that's not worked out well for them. No, but, I think those you know, were mistakes. Powerful, powerful, and, you know, now they're adding. I mean, they're a powerful force, and it, it's all the big ten in the SEC. And I, I, don't, I don't see it changing much. Okay. You know, the NFL does find the 32 teams, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so are there teams you like this year? Do you have games for us for this weekend? Is there stuff you like? Because you had the greatest year ever last year. I'm going to do a three-times play on Louisiana Tech at SMU getting 20-and-a-half. Uh, let's buy the hook on that and make it 21. Okay. I like them a lot. And Louisiana I, and in Tech. In terms of LSU, I took a, a – should have gotten more, but at 12-to-1, at I do like Jaden Daniels. Uh, I wouldn't like it at even money. But at 12-to-1, I'm – Coach Kelly himself told me that he's significantly faster and stronger than he was last year. He was a he was a, a pretty close to a top tier quarterback last year. I mean, because I never compare anybody to Joe Burrow, you know. But right, you, you know, from Joe Burrow's 2018 to 19 was from a you know got a you know a good quarterback to maybe the greatest season the college quarterbacks ever had. I'm not predicting that. And the other one I would watch at LSU closely, if you can get a big number on Andre Sam, get the interception, take it. He's going to get a lot of picks this year. He's a transfer from Marshall, and they they blown away by this kid. Blown away. This is wonderful. This is a deep but dive into LSU. The game. Yeah, the game started at like one. LSU was a one-point favorite. It went to two and a half, and I think it's back down to two. It's a good game. That's a, that's a the big 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 ass game Sunday night. Yes. By itself. It's yes. Just, that's a good that's a big game. That's two top ten teams. All right. Well enjoy watching that and we will have you on every single week and we hope you do even yeah, better than last year when you yeah, were great. Louisiana Tech one one story. You're gonna Hall of Fame introduction of Terry Bradshaw, Carl Malone, Jim Bulkey, uh, et cetera, but they had to put it off because Carl Malone's bus got held up in China. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's crazy. They had to put, they had to put it off. But uh, they got a great tradition up there, and I think they're going to they're gonna play the Mustangs hard. Terry Bradshaw's birthday is today for L.A. Tech fans. It's, it's 75 years old yeah. today, Terry Bradshaw. All right. Thank you, James. Right. Best to Mary. Bye. You back. You back. Thanks. Bye-bye. It's tremendous to hear his voice. It's just, it's just tremendous. Isn't it, it? I mean, it's, it's not that it puts me back in the mood for football. I mean, no, it's just tremendous to hear his voice. It is such a distinct it's, it's voice. It's the voice with the background of what's going on in Cirillo's. I'm looking at the menu right now. Just, you know, <laughs> what's it called? Is it Carrillo's? Yep. Like Mary Carrillo Carrillo's? Uh, this is a lot of pizza. Yeah. Uh, well, everybody goes to Dublin for yeah, pizza. Well, I'm reading the reviews. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you can't get a good pizza in Dublin, where are you going to get a good pizza? Right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, they specialize in peat bog pizza in Dublin, I would imagine. <laughs> Carrillo's in the basement of a... Here, is we have Jeff Ma? We do indeed, we do. Jeff. All right. That's fabulous. Jeff Ma, 
Carville not getting up early because it's five hours later there. Jeff Ma, of course, getting up early. Um, I need to talk to you about two things very, very specifically, very specifically. One is Deion Sanders. I was having this conversation with Matt Kelleher yesterday because both Wilbon and I are in love with Deion Sanders because we covered him in Washington. I don't know if he can coach. I have no idea. But Kelleher was saying, you guys are in the minority. Most people want to see Dion get his head handed to him. <laughs> I would imagine that that Colorado games, which nobody cared about for years, I would imagine the Dion factor it has to have some play in, in, in the betting line on Colorado. Right, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, he did again, what, 68 transfers to a 1-11 team last year. Um, you know, they were obviously a, a really bad team, um, and I think there is a lot of hype around him. Um, there's a lot of, you know, this is this is the guy that's going to save it, and, and there's a lot of excitement. And with that, I think there's probably some value on betting against them, especially early on in the season. You know, you get 68 guys that you're trying to get going in the, a new direction. Um, and, you know, when you get that many guys, like how many of them, are going to be the top recruits. So you, you wonder a little bit, too, about the depth that they're going to have. Um, but, yeah, I actually like the other side this week, which is TCU, and then I like the under in that game because I do think it will be um, a, a struggle a little bit for Dion and his team, um, especially on the offensive side. I completely agree with this. I, I mean, I understand everything Dion says to justify what he's doing at Colorado. I understand why Colorado would hire him. I can feel the excitement. It's palpable excitement. But they're playing at TCU, which I thought was in the national championship game last year. Right? I mean, that's a tough open, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, you have to remember also, even though TCU was in the in the championship, they, they got demolished. And one of the reasons they got demolished was because their talent level was not at the same talent level at all of the elite teams. You know, they kind of right. in some ways got lucky to get there. You remember Michigan game, Michigan had two uh, defensive touchdowns against them. Um, and, you know, they, they um, TCU had a lot of close calls during the season and even going into the season were picked to be on the bottom half of the, you know, big of the um, big 12. So this was not a, a situation where, this was as talented as a team. So certainly, yes, they are a much better team than, than Colorado. But, I, I, you know, again, this is as much of a look against Dion and his transfers early in the season as it is, you know, a nod to the former you know, national championship runner-up. What is the number on that game? What is TCU favored by? It's 20-and-a-half, and, a half and the, the total is 64-and-a-half. Okay, good. We'll write those things down. Deion Sanders is going into the transfer portal on a daily basis. A lot of people are going into the transfer portal on a daily basis. How does that affect? I mean, because you don't know, you know, until you see somebody like Sam Hartman go out there for Notre Dame, you really don't know what these people are going to do. How does that affect early betting lines? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think the Sam Hartmans are really the issue because I think those are the guys everyone knows about and everyone is, is generally – has some idea of how good they are. It's the guys on the next tier that no one really knows. The guys that they brought in, you know, if you if you there are fewer cases of really great players transferring than the guys that are you know maybe didn't get a look at the other places and that's mm-hmm. why they're transferring and they were unhappy for whatever reason. 
Um, and those are the guys you just don't really know about. So, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of uncertainty, and there's certainly guys. Uh, we had a guy named Bud Elliott on our show, and he, he knows these transfers like in, in and out. And so it, it, it really does. Um, it's harder to do analytics, I think, early now because you just don't have as great a sense of, of how good some of these players are. And it's better for the people that like live and breathe the you know recruiting. and Because like, a lot of this you can look at, what kind of recruit these guys were going in and, and use some sort of grade there to try to grade them out. Uh, but it certainly makes uh, it harder earlier in the year to understand how good these teams are. There's so much talk about realignment. There's so much action in the transfer portal. I'm going to guess that the future betting in, in college football is enormous right now, right? Like the betting betting in futures or the yes. general? Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that college football this year, one of the interesting things about the futures betting is that some of these top teams, this is like the first time in a while this has ever happened, these top teams don't have a lot of certainty at the quarterback position. So you have a team like Georgia who, you know, has a very uncertain quarterback situation. You have uh, Ohio State, yeah, the same thing. You have Alabama, the same thing. You know, the, the only teams that have a lot of certainty are teams like, you know, SC or you know, UNC, teams like that, they have these elite quarterbacks. But otherwise, this is not, you know, the, the Strouds and the Stetson Bennett's and the, you know, Bryce Young's of the world. So, so I think that's more of what's leading uncertainty in the futures markets. I just want to switch to the pros for a second. And I know it's too early because the pros haven't opened. But I would imagine there will be a wild amount of betting on Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, Right. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that is probably most interesting there is how good people believe the Jets' defense will be. Um, they were a, a top-five defense last year, despite only getting 16 turnovers. And, you know, turnovers are somewhat random. Um, and if they get to more, you know, when, it, when a defense is that good and causes as many sacks as the Jets did last year, you expect them to get a lot more turnovers, especially when they have, really good players in the in the you know defensive backfield like soft gardener and things like that so you would expect them to have much you know many more turnovers this year and then be an even better defense so you know while rogers is probably the story everyone knows it's really the jets defense that if they perform up to what a lot of the experts think they could be a lot of trouble in the afc i just saw the other day that espn's first monday night game is jets bills i mean i just think that's great that is a great game to put on in the first game. I, it really is. All right, what do you got for us this week? Uh, well, obviously, it's all college. We just talked about TCU and the under. That'll be two plays. Right. Um, there's been, because of the rule changes, I don't know how familiar you are with this, Tony, but there's the clock changes in college have happened where they're no longer stopping the clock after a first down, which they used to oh, do no, in I college. Oh, no, I didn't know that. So I didn't know that. After, after week one, this week, a lot of people uh, have been betting early on both underdogs and um, the unders in the games because those, if it's a faster-paced game, you would tend to have lower scoring. Sorry, a slower-paced game. I guess faster timing, um, but fewer plays. You would expect there to be value on underdogs and value on, right. on unders. So um, I'm going to go against that in one game, um, which is Texas Tech minus 14 over Wyoming. Um, Texas Tech returns a pretty strong team. They're, they're a team that people are very high on, um, and Wyoming is a team that you know doesn't get to see this kind of talent very often. Um, and ultimately, I think Texas Tech can cover that 14. Okay. 
we're going to take Colorado State plus 12 over Washington State. Um, Colorado, this is a game where they lost. You know, Colorado State was a huge mess last year, especially early in the year, um, and then finished the season much stronger. They lost the, the Washington State 38-7 last year, and it's a game where Washington State, because of that, will likely overlook Colorado State and getting anything more than you know, 10 points. I like Colorado State. Okay. And then finally, I'll, go, I'll give you one more because I always give you five. is Boise State plus the 14.5 over Washington. Uh, Washington is a team that everyone's excited about because of Michael Penix Jr., and, and they were a really strong offensive team at the end of the year. I think Boise is an underrated team with a, a good defense. You know, they're from a smaller conference, and this is a game that they will definitely be up for um, and will, you know, I think can keep the game close within the 14 and a half. So let me review then. Boise State plus 14 and a half over Washington, which is no longer, they're, they're not even one of the Pac-2. Colorado State plus 12 over Washington State, one of the Pac-2 with Oregon State. Texas Tech minus 14 over Wyoming and TCU twice, taking the under on TCU and minus 20 and a half against Deion Sanders, yes? Yes. Okay, great. Jeff, it is so good to hear your voice. So good. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. It's so good. And no bet the process. Did, uh, Nigel mentioned to you that I had played golf at San Francisco Golf Club on Wednesday with Jim Williams, who's the father of one of Michael's friends and teammates from Penn. Oh, is that right? Michael Bryant? player, yes. Oh, okay. So, so that's a lovely How'd course. How'd you do on the dual hole? Sorry? How'd you do on the dual par three? Uh, I think I made a bogey on that. Bogies are good. Bogies are good. Did you have a great time? (laughs) It was amazing. It was amazing. Tony, my handicap is down to a 15 now, so I'm progressing. Wow, you have to give me so many shots. Can we set up this match? (laughs) Yeah, this is really exciting. This is exciting. As Jeff gets older and gets into golf, this makes me happy. I'm glad you played that. That's a gorgeous course. We played it. It's just beautiful. Just beautiful. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Bye, guys. Jeff Ma, boys and girls. And again, you can get his podcast with Rufus, um, Bet the Process. That's out all the time. Uh, we will take a break, come back with email and jingles. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. I say this every time we do the Ian Warrington song. He's playing all the instruments. At least one of them is a fiddle. He's great. And it's not even his main job. His main (laughs) job is he's an actual doctor in an emergency room. Ian Warrington. Nigel, what about the Bethesda bagel ad? Michael's been getting the bagels. Yes, thank you for doing that, Michael. Um, And we love Bethesda bagels. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. They're getting ready for a holiday weekend. Busy this morning. I would imagine. I would imagine. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say, here I stand, head in hand, turn my face to the wall. If she's gone, I can't go on. Feeling two foot small. Oh. Everywhere people stare each and every day, I can see them laugh at me and I hear them say, hey, you got to hide your love away. That was a hit by a group called The Silky. I think it was their only hit. But anybody who saw the movie Help understands (laughs) that this is a John Lennon song. Oh, yes. This is a John Lennon song. Thanks to our guest today. 
Dave Sims, James Carville, Jeff Ma. Thanks to our sponsor, Trade Coffee. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. From Jason Bullitt, Chuck and Roxy, episode 31 in Saratoga County, New York. This afternoon, while going to visit my father at a local hospital, I heard Roop Sharma, Chuck and Roxy, episode 48, giving me some slack for criticizing Pat Forty in my last email from Monday's episode and thinking that Pat had declared Dan Burns' song the worst uh, the host of College Football Inquirer had ever heard. I defended Dan Burns, and in so doing, I had to cut my nose to spite my face. Roop, you got me. Are we done with this now? I think it's been put to bed. Okay. Yes. Uh, from Shad, a haiku. There's no show without let me be self-indulgent. It's why we listen. I'm still waiting for the back nine. <laughs> not, we're not going hole by hole anymore. I'm done with that. From Dan Anderson in Lexington, Kentucky. Greetings, Dr. Grandpa. Listening to the August 18th podcast, I encountered a new David Aldridge moment. While discussing Sky Bars, you referenced they were made by Neko for 80 years. Immediately, I said out loud, hey, I work for Neko. Never mind the fact that I don't work for the Neko Candy Company. I work at the NECO that provides foster care services and other services in child welfare. Nonetheless, I was thrilled. I don't have any candy or coffee ice cream to send you, but can I at least be the official foster care administrator of the Tony Administrator of the Tony Cornish? So sure. From Rob Lowe, not that Rob Lowe, in North Royalton, Ohio. I was totally intrigued by the soap operish discussion of your stealing or protecting, thank you, of Michael's underpants, but it got me thinking. Isn't the median age of this audience like 70? At least half Depends. of your audience has a better chance of wanting shapeless tube socks than me undies gecko themed boxers. Perhaps Michael can parlay a gold toe me undies double feature read to catch everyone's interest. Also, be aware that like Galena, North Royalton is having traffic issues. York Road is still being resurfaced between Wallings and Sprague, and Sprague Road is a mess as the road widening project between York and West 130th continues and appears to have no end in sight. My advice is if you need to go on an east-west route, you'd be better off avoiding Sprague and taking either Royalton Road in North Royalton or Bagley Road in Parma. I'd take Royalton because you can stop in at Nico's for a great gyro. Also, Community Paper Shred Day is September 16th. It's for North Royalton residents only, but I thought you'd want to know. Traffic, we, traffic and weather on the eights. Do we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From <laughs> the, Dave, the gecko, the gecko reference is so specific. I feel seen. <laughs> um, from Dave Morrow in Denver, Colorado. What I'm going to miss most about PTI is the chemistry between you and Mike. It was a great run. What a shot. <laughs> from Tim in the Midwest. Love your podcast. Love your line of questions. The great guests. Love the original music. Love the rants about water bills and whoppers. I just stumbled across a show on ESPN2 at 12.30 a.m. Central Time called Pardon the Interruption. And I think I recognized your voice. What a great show, but the time slot. Come on, man. What are we even doing here? From Andrew Bracewell, now that you've got all this free time with PTI getting taken out to pasture, I'd like to offer you a chance to invest in a unique and exciting business proposal. Presenting This Cheese Stinks a cheese counter in the wine section of your local gas station. Let's face it, not everyone can drive to Calvert Woodley in their Rivian and stock up on fine wines while sampling <laughs> superlative cheeses from La Cheeserie. Some of us have to drive to the nearest Wawa in a Pinto, grab a box of Hobo Blend, and drink alone on the side of the road. 
But this cheese stinks would offer a chance to pair that two-buck chuck with a refreshing craft single or dollop of cheese whiz, giving us littles a chance to feel what it's like to be a big, even if we can't taste it. Since this business idea is worth some serious processed cheddar, I'll give you one week to respond before I take the thing to Ari Melber. I'd offer the idea to Greg Garcia, but I don't want to get big league like Steve Sands. I look forward to hearing from your people, Andrew Bracewell. It's not a bad idea. From Anthony <laughs> Fapiano in Simsbury, Connecticut, which is right Simsbury in Bristol. Simsbury Open. Yeah. I've always sort of liked prime rib, but after listening to Sally Jenkins, I do not feel good about that at all. <laughs> Such a great takedown. Always love hearing her on the show. Thanks for the laughs. What did she say? Prime rib eating? Yeah. College in- third, third or fourth <laughs> reference down. Really good. From Mike Rubenstein in East Greenbush, New York. You were talking on Monday's show about Chick-fil-A being in the New Jersey rest stops, and you wondered how there could be restaurants that aren't open seven days a week. I agree. There are also rest stops on the New York State Thruway. The rest stops along the Thruway are in the process of being torn down and completely rebuilt. Seven of the 12 currently open rest stops that have restaurants have Chick-fil-A's in them. With several rest stops being rebuilt, travelers can go quite a distance to get food to begin with and much further distances on Sundays. This is a total disservice to the traveling public. Glad to see that the rumors of PTI's demise were greatly exaggerated. Well, as of today, maybe. <laughs> I find myself in total agreement with this. My bigger worry is for the gas. You know, well, there's got to be gas. I know. Chick fil A doesn't sometimes you, gas. Sometimes you, on the turnpike, you can go 48 miles without a, without a rest stop for gas. No, I just, I just think that. I'm not trying you, to mess up my time by getting off the highway. But if you're going to <laughs> allow. I'm not saying there's a monopoly, but if you're going to allow a particular restaurant in a particular rest stop and they're not open seven days a week, I, I think that's wrong. Sure. I think this is sort of going back to the, the glory days of malls where you'd have anchor stores that get people in and the other stores are yeah. happy to have the extra foot traffic. Right. Right. So when you say, hey, Chick-fil-A is closed, I got a great option for you just down the way here. What's down the way? Down the way? A- anything. In- that, that can be up to you as the, uh, as the architect of that rest oh. area to say, I'm going to give you an, an a even second. better option. Oh, okay. And from Derek in Akron. And by better, one that's open. Yeah, yes. open is better. Since there's no way you're flying anywhere, Pav's Creamery in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, mm. had a freezer sale of the previous week's special. So I bought six pints of butter pecan ice cream for a grand total of $7.50. Eat it, McConnell's. Just hop in the car and drive northwest for six hours or send Nigel. Better idea. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Come on now. That means everybody just cool just out. Cool out. <laughs> Will you cool out, everybody? Thank you, Michael.
Let me 